nature, the very nature of his being is within us to accomplish his will in this earth. And so we want to unleash the power of God tonight, and I want to share that with you. Now, I'm referencing from the book called Miracle Work. This is a book by uh, Jordan Seng, and uh, I'm using it as, as a reference for us to work through. And so what I want to share with you is that in order to move in the supernatural, you need to move in the power of God. Because the natural, we can move in the natural. How many can move the natural, right? I can move this. Look, at I just moved that in the, in the power of the natural. All right? You can move in the power of the natural. We need God's power to move in the supernatural, the above natural or nature. And so we need that power. And so how do we get that power flowing through us? Many of us want God to just go do this, just go do this. But in God's economy, he said, you do it. I want to work through you. And so he has always, when he heals, he heals by the laying on of hands. When he speaks a word prophetically, it's through the mouths of the prophets. When he leads a people, he gets an apostle. Uh, And you are that body of Christ, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. You are that, that work of God. And so that power needs to flow through us. So not only do we need to be full of the Spirit, we need to have the power of God. And so power for miracles is exercised as a supernatural muscle. So we need to exercise our supernatural muscles or the power of God in us. That takes exercise. If you don't exercise, what's the word for muscles that become atrophied all right how many of us have an atrophied faith how many of us have had the supernatural the the ability to pray and to see things happen the ability to speak and see people respond but if we don't do it it will atrophy and so we need to move and like muscles and stretch this out we can be full of the spirit but we need to move in his power and i give you the example of jesus at the beginning of his ministry, it says that after he was baptized, he was full of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness. Now, in the wilderness, he learned obedience to the Father through the tempting of the enemy. The enemy tempted him, but he stayed obedient to the Word of God. He was tested and continued to speak the Word of God and nothing else. And in that, he developed his muscle for the power of God. It says that after he came out of the desert, in Luke 4, uh, verse 40, for, uh, 14, it says, he returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. He went in full of the Holy Spirit. He came out demonstrating that fullness. Do you see the difference? So, Pentecostals, oh, we love being full of the Spirit. We'll praise and sing in tongues and we'll do all this kind of stuff. But are we demonstrating the power of the Spirit? And that's what I believe God wants to do in this day and in this hour with His people. So we need to get in shape spiritually for what God wants to accomplish. And so what I want to take you through is what Jordan Sang calls the power equation. Now, let me give you a disclaimer before we do any kind of an equation No part of this equation has to do with earning God's love or His favor. God's love and favor is perfect towards us through the cross of Christ. 
So when I'm talking to you about moving in the supernatural, you don't earn that power. It's given as a free grace of God. But just because it's given doesn't mean it's not flowing. You've got to exercise it. You've got to use it. All right? Now, so we can be saved, but not speak of this salvation to anyone else. And so that power is lying dormant. So I don't want you to think that when I give you this equation of what's going to help us move in the supernatural, that you're thinking, well, if I do it, then I'll earn God's favor. You've already got God's favor. Well, if I do more of this, then God will love me more. He loves you perfectly now. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, demonstrating his love for us. So don't think you're doing this to earn any extra, you know, Uh, grace favors or supernatural power. I'm doing this so I get more power. You've got all the power you need. What we're going to do in these disciplines and and Christian disciplines is it opens us up. You ever seen the aperture on a camera that allows more in or more out, right? It's the same in the spirit. If we would move in this equation, if we would move in these principles, we can allow the power, the fullness of God to flow out of us. So you have enough. It's not earning anything. So please, let's get that straight. Now, let's take a look at this equation for operating in the supernatural. He put these together as components. And I believe it's backed up through Scripture. Right now, uh, there's what's called the faith movement. and, And it has beckoned to the church and called the church to get back into a place of trusting God and having faith. But what, has, what the biggest problem with the faith movement is, is it's isolated everything down to just faith. And there are more components to operating in the supernatural. If it's just faith and something doesn't happen, then the typical answer is you didn't have enough faith. But I think there's degrees uh, uh, that go into the reasoning of why things happen and they don't happen. And so this equation flows like this. Applying authority, knowing your authority, having the gifting of the Lord, faith and consecration equals the release of the power of God. Now, again, let me set a disclaimer. The power of God can be released anytime, anywhere, through anybody when God wants to move. Okay? So, uh, I'm just putting that out there that God is sovereign and can move and flow as He wants. But I want to learn, and I want to walk in the realm of the supernatural. Why? Because it's biblical. I want to walk as a disciple of Jesus. If I am a student of Jesus, I should behave like Christ. If I'm a student and a disciple of Jesus, I should be doing the things Jesus did. It's that simple. And so my Christianity is deficient until I'm able to move in that level. Now, I really believe that. You don't have to believe that, but I do, so I'm pursuing this with a passion. And so I have to learn my authority, gifting, faith, and consecration to the power being released in me. Now, you can see that these are components then. So they vary in degrees. And in the varying degrees of these things, I might not feel of great authority, but my faith may be skyrocketing at that point, and God's power would be released through me to do something. And so in each of these components, they may rise, they may flow, they may fluctuate, but if we focus on authority, gifting, faith, and consecration, it should release the power of God. In varying degrees, these components, you all have them. 
How many of you know your authority in Christ Jesus, that whatsoever you ask shall be done? Do you know that verse? But we doubt it, don't we? Because I've asked and things haven't been done. But does that mean, therefore, you have no authority in Christ? No, you better understand you do. The enemy would love to think you don't and have you think you don't. Gifting. We have various gifts. We're going to go through each one of these, but these components working together, flowing together, if we would pursue each of them earnestly, seeking them, we should begin to see power flowing in our prayer life, in in the demonstration of our healing and deliverance and touching souls. Oh, but pastor, that means I got to get to work. You know what you got to get to is Jesus. We've just got to get drawn into Christ. The, the closer you get to Christ, you'll understand your authority. The closer you get to Christ, you understand your gifting. The closer you get to Christ, you trust Him for faith. And the closer you get to Christ, you live for Him and not yourself. It's Christ. These four things, these components that release the power of God is, is basically intimacy with Christ. So, let's take a look at them. Let's start with authority. John 1.12 says this, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The word right in the Greek is exousia, and it means the right of authority. Okay? The authority. Now, to have the right and to have the authority means it's right for me to believe I have authority over the devil. That is right. I have that authority. Do you? Does it take a certain gift? Does it take a a certain amount of faith? It doesn't take any faith to know that you have authority of the devil. It takes faith to believe it and exercise it. But you need to know your authority. I have authority in my back pocket right now. I have authority to drive on the road. I have a license somewhere right here. Now this is a This is a license that not only gives me authority in Michigan and in the 50 states, but this particular license gives me authority to get into Canada. Ooh, isn't that special? Nothing special about it. I went and received it. I went and got it. It was my right to do that as an American citizen. You have the right as a child of God to speak against and put the enemy to flight. Do you understand that authority? Do we understand the authority that we have? No. Authority comes out of obedience. Jesus said this, If you abide in me and my words, what? What does that mean? What does that mean? Hold on. If my words abide, if if Jesus' words abide in me. Well, that means if I just memorize scripture. What does it mean? Yeah. Amen. Amen. It's an abiding thing. It is, it is, his word has become me, or I have become the words I believe. Does that make sense to you? Amen. We want him to be first nature. <laughs> All right, so out of that obedience, he said, if you abide in me, my identity is in Christ, and my words identify you, you, you live that out, Whatsoever you ask and wish, it will be done for you because you're walking in obedience and you're walking in agreement to the will of God. It is your nature, it is your being. We're walking in that. We're sowing in that. 
sowing to that out of obedience all right jesus went into the wilderness and as he went into the wilderness full of the holy spirit the devil tempted him with the word of god but he responded to every temptation by the word by the word by the word the word of the father abided in him and he is that word and he defeated the enemy his authority failure to obey the word of god will produce what Well, that's just really simple, right? I mean, if I don't obey God, the power of God will be diminished in what I do, right? Because I'm not walking in the authority of God. I'm walking in my own will and right. Now, uh, let me give you an example. A Roman centurion came to Jesus and said, would you heal my servant? And Jesus said, well, I'm on my way to heal someone else. And, 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 and And the Roman soldier said, you don't have to come to my house. He says, I am a man under authority as a Roman centurion, and I understand that you are a man under authority. So when you're a man under authority, you have the right to do what that authority commissioned you to do. So a Roman soldier was given, this centurion was given authority over a hundred soldiers. Centurions, right? That's a hundred. So he was given authority over those hundred. So what he said, did those hundred men have to obey? Why? Who said so? Yeah, but who's he? He's just another guy. The authority over him gave him the authority to be over them. Do you see this? Jesus, he understood that. He saw what Jesus did and recognized that Jesus was under the authority of God the Father so that whatever Jesus asked according to the will of the Father must be done. Now that works all the way into our lives. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth and below the earth. Now therefore, I commission you to go into the world and disciple all nations, baptizing them, immersing them, all nations, in the presence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I know it's a baptism formula, but it's so much more than that. He said, I want you to carry the will and the presence of God into every nation. Teaching them Bible studies, teaching them to obey the commands and the authorities of Christ Jesus. Okay? All right, so that's authority. And if we would obey, then the power of God will flow through us. Do you understand your authority? Do you walk in your authority? We give the example many times, different times I've given you the example between um, um, Barney Fife, right? And Clint Eastwood. What's Clint Eastwood's movie name? Dirty Harry. There you go. Okay. So didn't they each have authority by the law? Yes, they did. Barney Fife had authority. Did Barney have a gun? Barney had a gun. Did Barney have bullets for the gun? He had one bullet in his pocket that he was going to pull out when he needed to. Right? Shakiest hand in the West. Clint Eastwood, on the other hand, had his gun fully loaded at all times. Now, when you're dealing with the enemy, do you want to be Barney Fife or do you want to be Clint Eastwood? Make my day. Try it. Come on. Right? Now, you don't want to be that sarcastic with the enemy. You need to respect that he's got power. We don't want to be flippant with the enemy, but we don't want to be afraid of him. 
you need to understand your authority and your power and know how to use it. Look, at it. our sin affects the outcome of the power flowing out of us. If we're disobedient, you can't stand against the enemy because he can call you out on your disobedience. If you're living in sin and your neighbor needs prayer immediately, I know by the grace of God he'll come and minister to that neighbor, but probably not so much through you. God will minister. And God even can draw a straight line with a crooked stick. But I'm not talking about the extremes. I'm talking about the everyday usage that God wants out of you. God wants a clean vessel who understands His authority in you. And so we don't need Barney Fives. We need Clint Eastwoods. We need a power-packed church in this day and age. I don't know about you and your community, but this community needs a power-packed believer that will call on them. When, when they call on you, they know somebody got to praying because things changed already. And so we need to be obedient. We're always looking for what we can get away with in our sin life. Well, this one's not that bad. I mean, a little pornography is not bad compared to an adulterous affair. It's not that bad. It's disobedience no matter how you cut it. And it's blocking the flow of God's unction out of your life to be used and powerful. I'm not talking about marginal Christianity to a bunch of marginal Christians. I'm talking to a group of people who are here on a Wednesday night that want to know how do I release the power of God to change my world. That's who I'm talking to. And so it's authority by obeying the Lord. Now, what you want to do in obeying the Lord is to follow after Him. John 5.19 says this. Hmm. Says this. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. So Jesus was obedient when he was producing miracles. He did them in obedience to what he saw the Father doing. Okay? So his authority came out of obedience. Jesus didn't decide, you know what, I'm tired today. I'm not going to go to the pool of Siloam and, and minister. But he saw the Father telling him, commanding him to go to that pool and speak to that man. And in obedience, he did that. Jesus said he didn't do anything that wasn't the Father's work. That means everything he did was in obedience to the Father. So we need to move in obedience. Learn to move in obedience. So what I want you to do now, strengthening your authority muscle, is start obeying the Lord in everything you hear him say and do. In everything. Now Jesus, in fact, did this many times when he was healing people. He had them operate in obedience. Why? Obedience shows authority and respect to authority. He would say to the man who's lying on a mat, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now the man had a choice to do what? Not only believe, but what else? You're right. Get up and walk, right? Do you see the difference? He could have stayed on that mat believing. Am I healed? I think I, I know I'm healed. I could be healed. Jesus put something in him, put something out there to have him act in obedience. 
And when he put it out there, the man had to respond in obedience. And in that obedience, the release of the miracle came. Jesus came to a blind man, spit in the mud, mixed it up, and put the mud on the guy's eyes. And said, now go to the pool of Bethesda and wash your eyes out. No, that's stupid. You're the son of God, heal me now. I don't want to do it. You remember Nahum, who, who was sent into the Jordan River seven times, right, to, to heal his leprosy? I don't want to go in that river. It's dirty. His servant said, look, if he asked you to do something hard, you do that. This is easy. Just do it. What did it demand? Obedience. Because obedience is a respect of what? authority. I'm telling you, this is one of the key issues we lack as a church of the 21st century, obedience to the Lord. We want it our way, and we'll do it our way. And there are things God sets before us. I've experienced this. I've seen this. We've had some Wednesday night services. I remember a Wednesday night service. I, I felt the unction of God. We stood up. We prayed in faith and called out to God for something. And I remember the Lord laid on my heart, have them step one step over. Why? All right. You know, I tell everybody, please, just do me a favor. Take one step over. And, and the Lord began to show me that you're stepping out of what you were into something new. So just take one step o- over, okay? And you did. And that was what? Obedience to the authority and the move of God. And I don't know how it affected some of you, but one lady, Melinda, I don't know if anybody were here that night, Melinda, it wrecked her. Man, God moved on her. She was wiped out. Boom! For the rest of the hour of the service, she was out in the hallway in trembling and shaking and speaking in the Spirit. At the end of the service, we brought her up. She was still all wrecked. When did it happen? When I took a step over. God just, boom! Obedience to the authority. There are times I said, come to the altar and pray. Kneel. Why should I? I can, I can kneel and pray right there. I know you can. It's not something that I'm trying to drum up. It's not some little thing. Well, lift one hand and lift the other and shout to God. Okay, Pentecostal stuff. No, there's a reason behind it. So that you're moving in obedience to the authority of God. That the Spirit is asking you to do something. It's a, it's a response to authority. It's that simple. And so we want to respond to authority. Failure to obey diminishes The response of God in us. Jesus often manufactured these opportunities for people. So we need to have and understand our authority, operate in obedience to God so that we're always moving in His authority, in His authority. When He tells you to speak to someone, could I encourage you to speak to someone? Are we old enough in the Lord now to stop fighting that? Come on, how many of you fight that? I mean, in all reality, I fight that, right? You're in the middle of a line, you're somewhere else, the Lord says, tell them about me, or tell them something. It's like, no, I don't know, people around here. Come on, how many times have you been around this mountain? Let's just obey it and just do it. And in that obedience, something is released because you're obeying the authority of God. Secondly, gifting. Gifting, or the gifts of the Holy Spirit, are graces. It comes from the root word charis, which means grace. These are given freely to everybody in the body. What does Paul say about these gifts? Covet earnestly the best gifts. Covetousness is not good unless it's after something 
that's of God. He said, come on, covet. Covet my best stuff. How many of you want the best stuff God's got? I want the best gift God's got me. That's not arrogance. That's not anything else. In fact, it's obedience. So what in your mind is the best gift God has? So ask for it. Get into the 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and begin to look at those gift lists and say, I want this one. I want this. This is a registry. You're getting married. So go to the registry and pick out the best gifts. Is that all right? Is this, is this audacious? Is this something that we shouldn't do? No, Paul commands it. Now get out your gift list and say, I want it. But how much should you want it? How much do you want it? Earnestly. I covet. I need. I lust this thing. I want this gift. God, I want it. I want it. And this is what God said with an attitude of people like that. If you being evil give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give His Spirit to you, His graces, His gifts to you? Look at, we understand giving good gifts reaps a good benefit. How much more do you think a good God who is benevolent and is love in His nature wants to give you everything you want? But He wants to see you ask for it. Right? I, I wasn't going to give a precious gift to my children until I knew they were old enough to handle it. Right? I'm not going to give my kid, my five-year-old, an expensive camera. Here, son, someday you'll use it. Oh, thanks, Dad. Boom. Drops it. Don't drop it! So we need to get mature. Let's get these good gifts, right? Now, there's a second way to work the giftings of God. Borrow them. How do you borrow a gift from God? You ask someone who's got that gift to come along with you. If you've got a neighbor that is ill and sick and you know that you don't feel the unction to have knowing the gift of healing, but you know someone who does, invite them over. Will you come with me to my neighbor's house and pray for them they're sick? I say borrow it. That's just silly. What I'm saying is work together. Look at what he says about the gifts. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The reason that you have this gift and they have that gift is so the two of you together become a powerful force. So we are not without the gifts we need to change this world. Right here in this room, we have enough people collected that there is enough gift diversity for all the gift boost, the grace boost we need to change this community. Do you believe it? All right? So... We respect the authority of God through obedience. Secondly, we have grace. These gifts are flowing in our lives. Thirdly, we now go to faith. Faith is referenced 27 times whenever miracles are mentioned in the Bible. Nine times Jesus said you were healed by your faith. Healed by your faith. Now what that faith is, you need to understand a biblical concept of faith. Faith is not, I wish, I wish, I wish. Click, click, click. There's no place like home. I wish, I wish. It's not wishing. Faith is a confidence and an assurance of what you've set your hope on. It is trusting in God's character. It is knowing Him. Faith is not this force. Now, this is where many in the faith movement got it wrong. They say faith is an entity outside of God that even God puts His power in. No. Faith is trusting in an object, and that object is God Himself. 
It's trusting that God is good. Say it with me. God is good. Please say it again. I'm serious. Be obedient. God is good. All right. That is the essence of all faith. Do you have faith to pray for healing? God is good. My God wants people healed. That's what Jesus demonstrated as he walked on earth as the exact representation of the Father. My God is good. My God is benevolent. He knows how to give good, good, give good gifts. He died with infirmities upon him. He died to release and break the curse. My God is good. I have faith. My God is good. And that is the essence of faith in praying. How about the lady with the issue of blood? She said, if I would touch that man, that's her hope. She put her hope in him. Her faith healed her. Why? Because she said, if I could, if I could. Her faith got her to him. When she connected with him, she was healed. He healed her. Not the magical incantation of faith. The faith got her on her belly crawling to him. Because he's good. He's got it. He's got what I need. He's the one I need. That faith got her there. Faith is trusting in him. All right? It's that simple. It's a stubborn expectation of God's generosity. Jesus was always super pleased when he met people like that. The lady who, who wasn't even a Jew, she came, the Samaritan woman, she said, my child's sick. He said, look, I didn't come for dogs. I came for the children to give the children's bread to, to the Israel. And she said, hey, look at man, even crumbs fall and dogs get those crumbs. I'll take whatever you got. And that stubborn expectation that she'd get from God, Jesus said, this is awesome. You're blowing me out of the water. Same with that Roman centurion. You don't have to come to my house. You're under authority. I know it. Just say it and it'll be done. He goes, come on. Get out of here. By your faith, by that declaration. There were four guys that knew if we get our buddy to Jesus, he's going to heal them. And they rip a hole. They can't get through the crowd. No one will move for them. There's enough lame people blocking the door everywhere. These guys were so crazy stubborn with an expectation that God is good. They climbed up onto the, some other guy's house and they started breaking open the house roof and they lowered their friend down. Now this doesn't take five minutes. But imagine them down there. Jesus is teaching and pebbles are falling on his head. Dust is... Poof, and all of a sudden, a beam, a shaft of light breaks through, and everybody's looking up, and a man comes down from the ceiling. And remember what Jesus said? Because of their faith, you are made whole. Why? Didn't he have enough belief, belief, belief? It's not about that. Their faith made him dig a hole in the ceiling. Faith is active. Faith works. Do you see what I mean? It's not this believe, 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 believe. It's do it. Be it. That's faith. You trust God so much. So when you're laying hands on the sick, you hear somebody's that's sick. I believe God so much that he's so good, he wants them well. So my faith is going to make me go over to him and say, you know what, I, I'm going to pray for you because I believe God is so good and he loves you so much he wants to heal you. I really do. So I'm going to lay hands on you and I'm going to expect you to get healed. Because I believe this about his character and his nature. It's not about me. It's about him. And me trusting the authority to know whatsoever I ask in Jesus' name shall be done. That's faith. Trusting in God's character and love. Stubborn expectation of God's generosity. Miracles are God's desires for being made known. I love that. I love that. 
Miracles are God's desire for being made known. Somebody call on God today. Publicly. But what if it doesn't work? It doesn't matter. Be a fool for God. Show yourself out for God. And let Him do what He'll do. You can do it. Now, faith fluctuates. How many of you know that? Sometimes, you know, it, it does in all of us. We saw it in Peter. We saw it in, in, every, in, in each person. It fluctuates among us. Look at guys. Why do you think we sing for about a half hour, 45 minutes? What is the process? Yeah. Now look at, doesn't he already live in me? What do I got to bring him in for? Is he void? He's already in me. He, I, I bring him with me. But there is an outpouring as the people come together. Of course he's with me at all times. But coming in one accord, we begin to sing the same words, the same songs. We begin to believe and trust in God by words that are, that are faith-driven in the character of God. Rightly do I love you, Son of God, Son of Man. Man, when I sing that chorus, my soul just surges. Rightly do we love you, Son of God. You're worthy of all praise. Now what's happening to my faith and my trust in Him? It's elevating, right? See, we don't sing songs just to, that's my favorite old song I like to sing. There's a dynamic here that's supposed to be producing something so that when the government of God comes together, that's who we are, the ecclesia, the governing body of God on the earth, when we come together, we've raised the level of our faith enough to say, thus saith the Lord. You're calling out your issues, your problems, and calling forth the command of God because we're rising in our faith. We're taking testimonies. We're studying the Word so that we will do something and accomplish something. I want to accomplish something when we come here on Sundays and Wednesdays. How about you? And He wants us to accomplish it. Look at Acts 9, 39 through 40. Jesus went into the room and it says, all the widows, no, this is Peter. Peter went in the room. All the widows stood beside him weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made. And Jesus said, look at you, you need to all get out of here. And he knelt down and prayed. Where, where did Peter ever get the idea he could raise the dead? Where do you think he ever came up with this crazy Batsa idea that he could raise someone from the dead? Where would he even begin to imagine he could do that? He's a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, Rabbi Jesus. If he's a disciple of Rabbi Jesus and Jesus taught him for three years how to be his disciple and how to become a rabbi like him, he learned how to raise the dead. How many of you are disciples of Jesus? All right? So we're following after him. We should have the same expectations. Now, why did he ask the ladies, the grieving people, get out? Because the level of faith in there was so brooding and so dark and so boo-hoo. Now, of course it is. But he had a different mindset. He had a different understanding of what God wanted to do in that situation. God didn't want a mourning situation. He wanted a revelation of his glory. But they couldn't see it at that time. And that's okay, but he needed them to dismiss. Jesus did the same thing in Mark 5. It says that they were laughing at Jesus because the little girl was dead. So he put them outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was and raised that child from the dead. So there's going to be people who are combating our faith and our trust in the Lord. That happens all the time, doesn't it? There are situ situations where our faith wanes. It's too much for us. 
and it gets the best of us. That's when you go back into praise. That's when you go back into prayer. That's when you give a word. That's why those of you who pray for other people, begin to speak faith to them so that they can begin to trust God. What do I mean by faith? Quote Bible scriptures to them. Tell them how Jesus is. Tell them, you know what? Jesus is good. Let's trust him. He's so good. I've seen God heal people. Let's believe he can heal you. Let's believe God wants to deliver you. Uh, Jesus can cast out demons. Jesus is powerful. Speak faith to them. Build their faith up. Let it rise up so that they're going to trust his authority and obey. Right? And ask for the gifts to flow. We need to cultivate a trust in God's movement. Now, last of all, the, third, the, the fourth component, consecration. I love this statement. The kingdom flows where the kingdom rules. Does that make sense? So in your life, we're back to that issue of obedience. We're back to that issue of walking in the authority of God because you're obeying Him. But if there's issues of sin, uh, unforgiveness, whatever that type of sin is, the kingdom's not flowing because you've stopped it for a self-purpose. So I need to consecrate my life. I need to ask myself, how, how serious am I about being a disciple of Jesus? Because really, if you just want Jesus in your back pocket, if Jesus is your co-pilot, and this is your life, you run it, and Jesus will come and bring you cherries now and then, and nice little presents and gifts, then, then that's fine for you, till you run into the brick wall that's right around the corner. But how many of you seriously want to do the king's bidding? How many of you seriously want to be a disciple of Jesus and walk in this kingdom, the dominion of the king? I want to walk in the dominion of the king. Then I've got to consecrate my life. To consecrate my life means I've got to sacrifice. That is a foreign word to American mindsets. You deserve a break today. Get it your way. Everything is ours. We should have it now our way. We don't know the meaning of sacrifice. You believe it? I had to skip lunch today. You know, I mean, that's the biggest sacrifice we make. Come on. How many of you are willing to stay up all night to pray for somebody? See what I'm talking about? You're going to sacrifice. And why? Why sacrifice? Because the true cost of love is sacrificial. God demonstrated that louder and for all eternity. Love costs. You have to give yourself away. Self-sacrifice is agape love. It's God's love. And so consecration means I set my life apart for Christ. It's not about me, it's about Him. And I live my life that way. And that is essential. First Chronicles, I love what David said in First Chronicles. He had sinned against God. The kingdom stopped flowing. Blessing stopped flowing. God said, you're going to be punished. You need to, you need to bring a sin offering to me. So he went to the, uh, to the wine press. He went to to uh, this field that he wanted to offer sacrifice to. And, and the man told him, look, at you can have it for free. You're the king. Take my land. And David said this in 1 Chronicles 21, 24, I will not take for the Lord what is yours, nor offer burnt offerings that cost me nothing. He understood. My true repentance means I have to sacrifice my life, something in me. All right? To show my true colors to God. How many of you are willing to consecrate your lives to God? 
to go without so that you're proving your love for him. Does it make you earn his love? No, his love is perfect for you. But there are things I do for my wife to show her I love her. Do I want to empty the dishwasher? Absolutely not. Would she appreciate if I emptied the dishwasher? Absolutely. So guess what I'm going to do as an act of sacrifice and demonstration of my love? I'm going to empty the dishwasher. And I'm proud of it. But she would love me if I did or I didn't. So get away from that equation. It's self-sacrificing. Did you consecrate? Are you living your moment by moment to the Lord? Think of these exercises of consecration. Prayer. You've got 24 hours a day. What if you took one of those hours and said, I'm giving it to God. And I'm going to spend an hour in heaven. 15 minutes in heaven. I'm going to spend 10 minutes giving my heart my wishes, my will, and my desire to what God wants me to call forth for his kingdom. How about you invest 10 minutes in the kingdom of God? That's prayer. That's what prayer is. How about you wake up in the morning and you say, first thing I'm doing is sacrificing a morning sacrifice unto God. What about study? I'm going to study the word of God. Why? Because I want my thoughts to be his thoughts. I'm going to sacrifice my determination, my will, my intellect of what I want accomplished and what I want to learn to what he wants me to know about him. Ooh, I want to consecrate my knowledge of him. How about consecrating in song? We've got to rediscover the power of song. The power of song. Paul says, I'm going to sing with understanding. I'm going to sing in the Spirit. Song is essential. How many of you need to renew your heart, renew your mind? You know, I like a good peppy song. I love a nice peppy song. I'm walking on sunshine. You know, windows are open. That's great for about 10 minutes. But how about having your soul immersed and saturated in the song of heaven? Where you're like, this goes beyond just feeling peppy and good. This gives me exhilaration in the spirit to conquer. I'm going to consecrate my ears to listen to the songs of heaven instead of the songs of earth. I'm going to consecrate and fast my appetite to get an appetite for God. I'm going to abstain from this so that I gain that. Last of all, giving. I'm going to give sacrificially. I'm going to empty my pockets so that I am sowing into the things that I'm giving. It's better to give than to receive. So if I see someone in need, I'm going to give them a buck. You don't know what he's using it for. It doesn't matter. I'm going to sacrifice and sow into the purposes of God. Tell him about Jesus and give him that gift. It's up to what God wants to do with him. But I have sown unto God, and then you'll see God sow into you. It's called reciprocity. This is consecration. So the equation tonight that we're going to work with is authority, gifting, faith, and consecration equals supernatural power being released in you. Remember we studied it last week with James. The effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man does what? Avails how much? Much. There's the power being released. And so he puts the same thing in that equation again. The effective authoritative, fervent, faith-centered, prayers of a righteous, consecrated person will avail much. And that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to avail much. We're going to learn to pray for each other.
because you have authority in Christ Jesus. I need everybody that is born again, everybody that has the Holy Spirit in them, raise their hand. Do you have the Holy Spirit in you? Okay, put your hands down. You have the authority tonight to pray and expect God to move. How many of you have a gift of the Holy Spirit? Gift of helps, gift of administration, gift of prophecy, gift of miracles, gift of healing, some kind of a gift, any kind of a gift. Gift of hospitality, I said that. Gift of of edification, you edify someone. Okay, there's a charis. Now, I want to let everybody here know, according to 1 Corinthians 12, you all have a gift. Each one of you has a gift from God. You may not have discovered that gifting yet, so we need to put it to work so that it'll manifest and show up. We're going to activate that tonight. Now, how many of you believe God is good? You believe God's good. Now, I'm, I, 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 mean, I, mean, I mean, really, you believe God is good to the point that you expect God to do something good. Okay. And how many of you are doing your best to live a consecrated life? You set your life apart to the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Then we're going to pray. Let's pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would activate and move on us for the needs that will be presented here tonight and that the supernatural will be released simply, plainly, and powerfully for the needs in this house. According to your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, is there anybody